Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners today. So thankful to have this opportunity to once again come together on this program, open up God's Word, and dig deep into those teachings. Oh, how rich the Word of God is. Oh, how much it holds for us, the guidance, the direction, the promises, the hope, the encouragement, the blessings. And yes, there are the rebukes and the corrections and uh, the chastisement at times. But it's all there for our good to guide us in the best life that a person can live in this earth with the greatest hope, and that's eternal life, the greatest direction, and that is heaven itself the greatest promises, and that is eternal life with God in Christ, salvation in him. Oh, how blessed we are to have God's word. How blessed we are to be created in the image of God according to his likeness with a moral essence, able to understand right from wrong, able to understand goodness and the difference between goodness and evil able to understand the hope of eternal life in heaven. How blessed we are. We're thankful that you're here. We appreciate you being here, and we, we, we're thankful to God for blessing us with this ministry whereby we can reach out to so many people with his word. And as you learn God's word more and more fully, then our prayer is that your faith in God is growing stronger and deeper and that is the formula laid out for us in the Bible. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your faith grows stronger, our prayer is that you're coming closer to God. And as you come closer to God, our further prayer is that you will come to him all the way, his way, through Christ, for the remission of your sins, uh, being baptized into him for the remission of your sins, acting upon your faith, and confessing that faith in him openly, repenting of those sins, and submitting to him in baptism. And the blood that he, cleansed, that he shed on the cross so long ago is still powerful, still effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins as you are plunged into that watery grave of baptism. And as you come up, you're reborn spiritually. You begin to walk that new life in Christ with all of the promise and all of the hope that goes therewith. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. We're going to go back and finish our study that we've entitled Old Fashioned Religion. We talked about, as we introduced this particular study, some of the technological advances that we have enjoyed as humanity over the last hundred years or so. We can actually go back farther than that, 120 or so years. But, you know, we go back and we look at the beginning of the 1900s, say, and maybe a little before then, all the way up until this time, and so much has happened, so much has taken place, so many breakthroughs have, have taken place that it, it's somewhat dizzying. You think about all of the things that, that just 120 or so years ago did not exist, at least not to the extent and with the the technical refinement and advances that we enjoy today in those things. And it's just dizzying, almost. It's it, amazing, oh, just fantastic. You think about the internal combustion engine and what that has led to, the automobile, the airplane, 
uh, the train, over and over again. Radio and television, motion pictures, color, VCR, DVD, Blu-ray, record players, and then replaced by stereos, and then tape players, and CDs, and iPods, and iPads, and our phones, our smartphones. You can watch television, you can watch movies right on your own smartphone. Amazing. Something that was not imagined not that many years ago. And then you have automatic washers and dishwashers and trash compactors and microwave ovens and convection ovens and yeah, it goes on and on. Fountain pens and then cartridge pens and then ballpoint pens and felt tip pens and now on a computer screen and the right pad you can just use your finger and sign your name. And there were typewriters and then electric typewriters and then word processors and then computers and PCs and laptops and notebooks. It goes on and on. And who knows what's in the future yet? The telephone and the cordless phone and cell phones and satellite phones and camera phones and smartphones, the internet and Facebook and Twitter. And again, who knows what is in the near future, let alone the somewhat distant future. Space travel and all manner of nuclear technology, medical technology, has made perhaps even more amazing advances. Medicines and equipment and techniques and open heart surgery and transplants and laser surgery and, and laparoscopic surgery and, and again, touching just the surface here of all of the things that we kind of take for granted these days when we go to the doctor, when something is wrong with us physically. But there are some things, the quality of which cannot be improved through innovation. Some things are just right from the moment of conception. In some cases, old-fashioned is still the best. I like the innovations. I like the modern technology. I like the advances. I like all of the benefits we're afforded through those things. But there are some things that are old-fashioned that cannot be improved upon. They were just right from the moment of conception. I like old-fashioned faith. We talked about that. Faith that says, oh yes, I see the evidence. I see the reason to believe in God. And I believe. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. You know, I like old-fashioned preaching. I've been preaching for many years and I remember sitting at the feet of preachers who really told it like it is. I like that kind of preaching. Going right to God's word. That's what we do here on Search the Scriptures. We really get into God's word and we rely on that as being the basis and the standard for which what we teach being true and being authoritative. I like old-fashioned preaching that relies upon the scriptures, that gets into the Bible. I 
like old-fashioned preaching that doesn't get watered down, that doesn't get kind of sifted through a lot of storytelling. I like stories. I use illustrations all the time. But the preaching still has to be centered in the Word of God. That's the meat of preaching. That's the meat of the gospel. That's what we need to be teaching people. If when somebody comes to a church service and they hear the preacher preaching the sermon and he's really waxed eloquent, as they say, <laughs> and he's told a lot of heartwarming stories and he's kind of worked them up talking about emotions and he's maybe told a few really funny jokes along the way. But they leave not having been taught the word effectively. Then they've left empty to a great extent. The word of God is referred to as the bread of life. Jesus said that in John chapter 6. And if we just tell a lot of neat-sounding stories, if we just really inject some good jokes, if we just talk about philosophy, but we don't talk God's word, we don't teach God's word, then we're leaving the people empty. And may that never be the case here on Search the Scriptures or anywhere where I preach, where the word of God is to be proclaimed. There's a lot of repenting that needs to be done by a lot of preachers and a lot of churches along this line. I like old-fashioned morality that says, you know, some things are black and white. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 25, lay it out. There are things that are going to lead people to hell. Fornication, adultery, uncleanness, lying, goes on and on. It is perhaps the most extensive list of worldly practices, ungodly behavior that will keep a person out of heaven that we'll find anywhere in the New Testament. It tells it like it is. In Galatians chapter 6, and verses 7 and 8, again, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We need to not let ourselves be deluded into thinking that we can live worldly, sinful, ungodly lives and somehow still be in heaven when we die. If we don't repent of that, then we're not going to be in heaven. That's what God's word says here. And if we think we can sow to the flesh and somehow reap a spiritual reward, that's delusional. You, you reap according to what you sow. And I know that parents have talked about their children sowing their wild oats. Well, what do you think is going to come up when wild oats get sown? 
wild oats. Roses aren't going to spring up from that seed. And so when people sow the worldly seed of worldly living in their lives, they're going to reap the consequences of having sown that. And that's the consequences of condemnation, sin. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul says to abstain from every form of evil. Every form of evil. Now think about that. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes, Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, now think about that, that's talking about sexual immorality, and how we flaunt that today. But here Paul says, no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. It doesn't get much more plain than that. Now you can call it old-fashioned. Some people would say, well, that's old-fashioned morality. No, that is godly morality. That is biblical morality. I like old-fashioned morality when it stays true to God's word. I like old-fashioned church. You might say, well, what do you mean old-fashioned church? Well, I like the church that claims unashamedly to be that established by none other than Jesus himself almost 2,000 years ago. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, And I also say unto you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Does it matter what church we're a part of? We better be a part of the church that Jesus built. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's right, yes, I am. Really? What's the name of your church? Does it wear the name of Christ? Or does it wear some man's name? or some philosophical name? Does it wear the name of some practice invented by men? Why can't we just go by the names that are given in God's word? Jesus said, I came to build, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church my church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and they were having some problems over division. And he said in verse 10, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that 
by those of, of Chloe's household that there are contentions among you. Contentions or quarrels. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, when you look in that 10th verse, there are actually five expressions or figures that Paul uses to teach that we need to be absolutely united in belief, in teaching, and practice. Now, that's not a unity that says, hey, let's just all get along. Let's just all agree to disagree agreeably. That's not what he's talking about. He says we need to speak the same thing. <clears throat> there needs to be no divisions among us. We need to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We need to follow the same Lord, and he needs to be supreme as our head and our Savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 23, Paul goes on and he says, We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. We can't be a denomination and be that one church. Jesus did not come to establish a denomination. He came to establish, again, Matthew 16 and verse 18, my church, he said. We need to be the church that, that preaches Christ, that preaches his doctrine without compromise. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We can't change his word. We can't change his teachings. We can't change his doctrine. The gospel is hard and fast. It's not subject to personal interpretation. We can't add anything to it. We can't subtract anything from it. We can't kind of just uh, water it down to make it more palatable for us personally. When Paul wrote about the, the gospel, the basic message of the gospel, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if, if, Big word, you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now that's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's the basis of the gospel message. And that's the same gospel message today that we need to be preaching as was preached back then, almost 2,000 years ago. We can't change it. Now someone says, well, we need to make it more relevant. We need to be up with the times. There are some things that, that don't apply anymore. That's not true concerning the gospel. That's not true concerning the doctrine that God laid out for us in Scripture. 
In Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, to pervert is to distort. And notice that Paul says, when you changed it, when you distorted it, it's no longer the gospel. And he says, go back to verse 6, turning to a different gospel, which he says that's not the true gospel anymore once you change it. But when you go to that, to that false teaching, he says, you're turning away from Christ. You see, to stay with Christ, you've got to stay with his gospel. To stay with him, to walk with him, you've got to walk according to his word. In 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9, John says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in, that is to live in or live by, the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Now this is how serious it is. Yeah, I, I, I like old-fashioned church. The one that claims unashamedly to be that one established by none other than Jesus Christ himself almost 2,000 years ago. The one that says, no, we cannot be a denomination. We just have to be the church of the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. The church that preaches Christ, his doctrine, without compromise, the church that stands firm on the true gospel of Christ. Again, on nothing more and nothing less and nothing else. We need to be the pillar and the ground of truth. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, and I like that church that says that's what we are. That's where we stand. That's what we stand for. The church that worships according to the guidelines given in the New Testament. Are we talking about old-fashioned religion here? You know, I said I like old-fashioned religion. Is that what we're really talking about? Old-fashioned religion? Not really. Actually, we're simply talking about God's religion. That which he laid out for us in his word, and it never gets old. It never becomes worn out. We need to follow God his way. We cannot improve on God's wisdom. God's way is just as relevant today as it was when the New Testament was written almost 2,000 years ago. We can't do better than God's knowledge and his wisdom. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write that information down and get with us right away. We'll send you a free Bible study. We'll take care of the postage, and it will help you learn right from God's word how to come to him through Jesus Christ. His way, the Bible way. And you can have confidence that you're doing it according to his will. Don't pass up this opportunity.
contact us right away. It can change your life eternally. We want to hear from you.